0: Support for the South Carolina Lead is made possible in part by Columbia Metropolitan Airport. For more information, flycae.com. Hello, and welcome to the South Carolina Lead. I'm your host, Gavin Jackson, and this episode was recorded on January 4th, 2022, from South Carolina Public Radio Studios here in Columbia. Just so you know, some of the information in this podcast may have changed by the time you've heard it. This episode features reaction to the newly proposed congressional map by House lawmakers and some disturbing polling data about January 6th as we mark the anniversary of the attack on the Capitol. In business, we have an update on oil production rates, data that shows the great resignation continues and why your stock portfolio had another great year. In medical, we break down testing and quarantine guidelines. DHEC's director Dr. Edward Simmer gives us more insight on the state's response to Omicron and promising news for teens and boosters. Additionally, we want to hear your stories. So we set up a voicemail box to hear from you all about your life during these, yeah, they're uncertain times still. Yes, they are. Two years going on three. Leave us a one to three minute long voicemail at 803-563-7169. Leave us your name, where you're calling from and what's going on in your world. Have you been part of the Great Resignation? Tell us some sort of travel saga from the holidays, because I'm sure there were plenty. Have you tested positive? We want to know. 803-563-7169. Now for the latest in South Carolina. Currently, the spread of COVID-19 is widespread, ongoing, and not contained, according to data from the Department of Health and Environmental Control. There have been 14,674 total deaths. And currently, there are 1,011,271 total cases being reported in all 46 counties as of January 4th at 4 p.m. That's right, folks, over 1 million cases since this pandemic has started in March 2020. Or put another way, that's about the total caseload the country saw on Monday alone. Yes, a record 1,082,549 new COVID cases were reported on Monday, January 3rd, according to Johns Hopkins University. This shatters the previous record of more than 480,000 the week before. So we got some big numbers here, folks. These are worldwide record numbers. Uh, Now, this could also be due to delayed reporting from over the holiday weekend. But it's also an undercount if you think about it. Think of all the times you tried to get a test in the past week or so but couldn't. Also, factor in those at-home tests that don't count in this total. Now, of course, this variant appears to be less severe. Still, with numbers like these, plus our current vaccination rates, hospitalization numbers are already returning to previous highs. With that, our current percent positive is 28%. There are 1,288 people hospitalized with COVID-19, 265 are in intensive care, and 125 are on ventilators. Hospitalizations alone are up 67% week over week. And currently, 52% of all eligible South Carolinians have been vaccinated. That number is up slightly from our last podcast on December 18th, when we were at 51.2%. Well, next week the legislature is back and one of the big initial items that they'll take up deals with passing a new congressional district map. Remember, House and Senate lawmakers already passed their own versions of their new district maps based on the 2020 census. There are still 124 House districts and 46 Senate districts. Those never change, but the geographic makeup does to account for the additional half a million people that moved to our state over the past decade. On December 29th, the House Ad Hoc Redistricting Committee met to receive public testimony on its second proposed congressional map. There is also a Senate version under consideration as well, and none has been approved yet. House Committee Chairman Jay Jordan said the panel will continue to evaluate draft plans and assess additional changes before a vote. Now the House Judiciary staff drew both plans in the House using input from many groups and reaction to the Senate plan. Lynn Teague, who you've heard of before on this podcast, she's the Vice President of Action and Issues for the nonpartisan South Carolina League of Women Voters, and she has testified on all the maps and said this about the current House proposal.
1: We believe that it is a, an obvious racial and partisan gerrymander and should be rejected. In most respects, it's very similar to the map that was initially proposed in the Senate, although the Senate subcommittee has so far wisely chosen not to act on that map. This alternative scores worse on competitiveness, proportionality, compactness, and splitting than the first map considered by this committee, and much worse than the league proposal. The plan also scores badly when considering efficiency gap at 20.61% and rank votes declination at 45.87 degrees. The ideal figure in both cases is zero. Further, the total percentage of the population of the state affected by county splits has increased, not decreased, by Alternative 1. Two more counties are split than in the previous plan, and four more counties are split than in the league proposal.
0: Lynn outlined other issues the league has with the map, including cracking, which means splitting communities of color into different districts to presumably lower their influence. There's also the opposite of cracking, which is packing, which puts a greater number of people of color than is necessary into the same district, preventing them from influencing surrounding districts. Teague goes into examples of these situations happening in the proposed map.
1: In an earlier hearing, uh, there was comment on our map splitting a small county. However, the league map has county splits affecting only 23% of the population. while county splits in your new map affect more than twice as many, about 46% of the population. Has District 2 cutting through northern Richland County, cracking substantial black communities in a way that dilutes minority influence? Uh, black communities are also cracked around Sumter. In addition, we believe it's a violation of major communities of interest to send District 5, dominated by the Charlotte suburbs far into the interior of the state. However, the most obvious racial gerrymander is the Low Country. Dividing Charleston County and even the city of Charleston, as you have in this proposal, serves principally to ensure low minority population in CD1 so that white occupants of the lower Charleston Peninsula, Mount Pleasant, Seabrook, and Kiowa can dominate that district. Uh, This plan reduces the black voting age population in CD1 to 16% from 21% in your initial plan. The League plan, which keeps Charleston County whole, shows a black voting age population of 23%.
0: The proposed plan keeps Beaufort County in Congressional District 1, but has North Charleston in Congressional District 6, which Teague sees as a split of a community of interest. The SC State Conference of the NAACP raised similar concerns to Teague and was party to a lawsuit filed by the ACLU days before the hearing. The federal lawsuit amends a previous one filed in October to include the recently approved state house district map, which the group says is a racial gerrymander. Now expect another ad hoc meeting soon before a full House Judiciary Committee vote. Moving on, days after President Joe Biden's visit to South Carolina, the White House announced federal judge Michelle Childs as a nominee for the U.S. Court of Appeals District of Columbia Circuit. Childs has been a federal judge in South Carolina since 2010 and was a circuit court judge for four years prior. She is well known in the South Carolina law community, receiving her law degree from USC in 1991 and working as a partner at the Nexen Pruitt law firm. She received a Master's in Judicial Studies from Duke University's School of Law in 2016. Her nomination now heads to the U.S. Senate. And keeping with federal nomination news, we're still waiting on President Biden to nominate a U.S. attorney for the state. But until then, there will be another acting chief federal law enforcement officer occupying that role. That's because former acting U.S. Attorney for South Carolina Rhett DeHart resigned in December after serving in that role since March 1st, following the resignation of his Republican-appointed predecessor, Peter McCoy. In December, U.S. Attorney General Merrick Garland appointed Corey Ellis as interim U.S. Attorney for the state. Ellis previously served as chief of staff for FBI Director Christopher Wray. Ellis also served as acting director for the Executive Office for the United States Attorneys. Now in his role as U.S. attorney, he's responsible for federal criminal prosecutions and civil litigation involving the United States and the District of South Carolina. He supervises an office of approximately 155 people. Adair Ford Burroughs, a former Democratic congressional candidate and Department of Justice attorney, is reportedly said to be Biden's pick for the spot, though it's unclear when she'll be announced. And it wouldn't be the new year without a new poll for you, folks. ABC News reports that an ABC Ipsos poll finds an overwhelming majority, 72% of Americans, believe that people involved in the attack on the Capitol were, quote, threatening democracy, while one in four Americans believes that the individuals involved were protecting democracy. Hmm, okay, here we go. Now, broken down by party identification, Democrats are nearly unanimous in believing that those involved in the attacks were threatening democracy. Republicans, they're more split with 52% saying those involved in the riot were protecting democracy. Yes, that's more than half of Republicans saying that those rioters who stormed the Capitol, who injured 150 police officers and contributed to the deaths of two others, those rioters who threatened the very core foundations of our democracy, including the results of a fair, free, and secure election after months of misinformation and lies by their party's leader, were in fact protecting democracy. So that's where we are a year from the insurrection, folks. Now, overall, in this poll, 58 percent of Americans think Trump bears a great deal or a good amount of responsibility for the events. And that's unchanged from an ABC News Washington Post poll conducted on January 13, 2021, in which 57 percent of Americans said he was responsible. And among Republicans, 71 percent sided with Trump's false claims that he was the rightful winner of the 2020 election. That's the most recent finding there. And real quick, on the way out, the Legislative Session is back in action starting January 11th at noon. You can always watch live coverage on scstatehouse.gov and over the air on SCETV's World Channel. To get you hyped up for the start of the final year of the two-year session, we have a preview for you in Saturday's pod featuring lead friends Jeffrey Collins of the Associated Press and Joe Bustos of the State Newspaper. You're gonna wanna listen, folks. You're gonna love the way you listen. Some good news for investors out there in this short business section. U.S. market indexes closed out 2021, keeping their winning streaks alive. That's right, check your 401ks, folks. The Dow Jones Industrial Average was up 18.7%. The Nasdaq Composite was up 21.4%. And the S&P 500 rose 26.9% last year thanks to strong energy and tech stocks. So, again, good news for your 401ks and pensions out there. You definitely saw some strong gains in 2021, a third year of gains for stocks, even with economic headwinds weighing on the recovery, such as inflation, supply chain issues, and the labor crunch. Next up, we get some more quick hits for you in this business section. OPEC and its allies of oil-producing countries announced Tuesday they would continue their plans to raise their collective production by another 400,000 barrels a day in February. The Wall Street Journal reports the group agreed last year to boost output in such increments each month until production reaches pre-pandemic levels, but they review that policy every month. Now, this comes amid the United States' decision to release oil from the Strategic Petroleum Reserve and the rise in COVID cases due to Omicron impacting travel. Brent crude, the international benchmark, and U.S. crude prices were up around 1.5% on the news. And we got some more data for you, folks. Next up, the Great Resignation. It continued in November, according to the U.S. Department of Labor. A record 4.5 million Americans quit, which economists say is more evidence of a strong labor market, which means stronger worker bargaining power. Employers posted 10.6 million job openings in November. Now, dear listener, I have no plans to go anywhere. I'm here for you. I love it here. But maybe you have recently quit your job. If so, could you do a little work for the old lead? I know you're not working right now, but if you are, maybe you can tell us about your employment journey. We're super interested to hear from you, 803-563-7169. Tell us if you quit, you resigned, what you're doing, what the plan is, we want to know. This is very interesting, folks. Maybe you're part of the 4.5 million Americans who quit in November. And speaking of labor, we'll have the December jobs report for you on Saturday. Economists are estimating that 400,000 jobs were added in the last month of the year which would drive the unemployment rate down to 4.1%. And now we'll know more when we get the numbers. Okay, here we are. It's the medical section. We haven't talked in a while. A lot's been going on over this past month. Happy New Year. But Omicron, it's very serious. It's very easily transmitted. You probably know that better than me. But there's a silver lining right here. Omicron is showing that it's not as lethal to vaccinated folks and those who have had prior COVID infections, which medical professionals say could help get populations closer to herd immunity. Even early data from South Africa, where Omicron was first detected, found that patients are younger and cases are milder. Still, we're in the thick of it here. So strap in, folks, because you maybe were super careful and cautious throughout the pandemic and you're finding yourself in Omicron's crosshairs. You've probably faced a close contact over the past few days. I have. And maybe you've wondered what to do. Now, based on new CDC guidance, here is what DHEC recommends for several situations you may find yourself in. If you test positive for COVID-19, you need to isolate regardless of your vaccination status. Stay home and avoid in-person contact with others for at least five days. If you have no symptoms after day five, you can end isolation, but must wear a mask around others for five more days. If you are exposed to someone with COVID-19 and have completed your vaccination series and been boosted, you don't have to quarantine. DHEC recommends that you get tested on day five and wear a mask around others for 10 days. Now, if you are exposed to someone with COVID-19 and you are not vaccinated or you've completed your primary vaccination series but haven't gotten a booster, you need to quarantine for five days. DHEC recommends you get tested on day five and wear a mask around others for five more days. Now, I know we're kind of recapping this and it's maybe... A little confusing because last month the CDC cut isolation time for COVID-positive folks from 10 days to 5 if they're no longer showing symptoms. There's debate over whether folks should test negative before emerging from isolation, but some people can test positive for up to 12 weeks even though they're beyond their infectious stage. Now, we keep saying get tested, get tested. Now, that may be easier said than done. You've likely realized that testing lines are unlike any you've seen before. You can't find appointments online. Cars are backed up for hours. Yes, DHEC is aware of this, and DHEC's director, Dr. Edward Simmer, said that while there's a spike, there are still plenty of testing supplies in the state, and the agency is working to address the crushing demand.
2: We know there are long lines at some testing centers, but please bear with us. We are working very hard to expand our testing uh, capability, both increasing the number of people that can go through a particular testing center, but also increasing the number of testing centers. Uh, Right now, we have sufficient testing supplies. um, So... You know, if you think you might be having symptoms, you think you've been exposed, get tested. Uh, if you haven't been fully vaccinated, please do. And certainly, if you haven't been maximally vaccinated, which is really our new term now, maximally vaccinated means you had, uh, you know, the initial series of shots, but then you've also had the booster if you're eligible, because that's really what you need for this variant. And so we want people to be maximally vaccinated. Again, there's plenty of opportunities to do that across the state. Call our VAC line and, uh, or go to our website, and we will help you find a place to get the vaccine. Students also
0: went back to the classroom this week, and currently all schools in the state are operating face-to-face, according to Department of Education data. Dr. Simmer is not recommending any school to be closed, which is a decision made at the local level
2: anyway, but he gave this advice. Every school district, every superintendent is different. They have to make their own choices. Uh, We recommend that every child and every person in school wear masks. and that school districts strongly consider requiring masks of every student because they work best when everyone in the building is wearing them. Um, So we do strongly encourage that school districts to consider that. Um, And certainly, yes, I think they need to look at the criteria in our guidance regarding to the rate of transmission in the community, the rate of transmission, the number of cases in the school. Um, Those are all very important and laid out in our guidance. And right now, I think you would find that just about every school district in the state Would meet the criteria to say that everyone in the school should be wearing masks.
0: Now, maybe even wondering about the at home COVID tests or senior friends doing them on social media. DHEC's Director of Public Health, Dr. Brandon Traxler, said that these test results are not reported to DHEC, but the benefits outweigh the underreporting.
3: That's common with what is um, the standard uh, in many states. The CDC actually also does not want us reporting um, home results um, to them either. and so, yes, um, there is, you know, likely underreporting going on then for the case counts um, and will be as more home tests are being used. But that being said, home tests are are so critical, I think, and have such a vital role in um, everybody's efforts to identify a positive case, especially early on um, when they're still really contagious and need to know to isolate um, or when they aren't able to to visit a physician or other provider or other testing site. So, um, I think the trade off for more people to know and to know earlier that they're positive is worth is worth. Sorry, the uh, the potential underreporting that we will see. Um, though I still do not believe it will be that it will not be the majority of our cases going unreported.
0: Dr. Simmer said hospitals are managing the load, but the strain, especially by unvaccinated patients, continues to weigh on staff. Currently, 28 hospitals in the state are experiencing staffing shortages, and DHEC is coordinating with hospital leaders and the Hospital Association to help with staffing and supply needs.
2: Hearing from the hospitalization standpoint, our hospitals are managing the load um, and doing well. It is putting strain on their staff, though, and I'm very concerned about our, our healthcare workers. Um, I think what we are seeing, though, is that the emergency departments and the urgent care centers are starting to get a bit overwhelmed and are starting to really, you know, develop some lines and, and, and having people wait longer than they would like. So I do think there's a strain on the system there. Um, we're also very concerned going forward, you know, as we, if we continue to see the number of cases we're seeing or as we you know, anticipate possibly even more than 9,000 a day, um, you know, that there will come a time when there will potentially be more strains on our system. We are certainly doing everything we can ready to help prepare for that. Uh, But that is certainly a risk going forward.
0: Dr. Traxler said current research for masks suggests that cloth masks don't do as good of a job in protecting you and folks should wear at least a surgical mask underneath a cloth one or opt for a stronger filtered mask like an N95 or KN95 mask. And real quick, we got some new booster news for you on the way out. The Food and Drug Administration is supporting Pfizer boosters for 12 to 15-year-olds. Currently, they're recommended for those 16 and older, six months after their last shot. The AP reports that a CDC panel is expected to decide later this week whether to recommend the boosters and a final decision will come from Director Dr. Rochelle Walensky. The FDA also said everyone 12 and older who's eligible for a Pfizer booster can get one as early as five months after their last dose rather than six months. Welcome to the Wind Down section, our little break from the news. We talk about life during the pandemic and want to hear your stories as well. Again, let us know if you've been part of the Great Resignation. Did you have any close contacts recently or test positive? Don't be ashamed, even though you tried. It seems like a lot of people are testing positive these days, despite their best efforts. Or maybe you've had some horrible travel saga to report back to us. Mm -hmm. Maybe you're still stuck on I-95 in Virginia. (laughs) Let us know, 803-563-7169. We're here for you, even though we can't get you off 95. Trust me, I drove it this past uh, couple weeks. Same, same. 10 and a
4: half hours one way back. Took me 13 and a half hours. But you're coming from Jersey. I was coming yeah. from D.C. I mean, that's, oof. It was bad. bad and It bad. wasn't even it wasn't even D.C. or anything. It was like in the middle of the suburban sprawl that yes. is. Oh, Virginia. Virginia. Oh, God. I, it's from, just the worst.
0: Yeah, it is. Let us know if you had any uh, yeah, travel journeys to share from the holiday season. Lot, 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 lot. Um, but at we have a good call, a good a good voicemail for a
4: start Sat, of the new year. Yeah, we do have a nice nice voicemail. Uh, but the problem is we lost some. You, you he lost some reception when he called mm-hmm. us. So we're gonna play what we have. But it, whatever we're missing, dear listener, if you're hearing our our, our plea right now, call back in. Calling from a landline, maybe. Yeah, (laughs) find your nearest uh, landline. landline. Get a payphone. Borrow, (laughs) uh, borrow a stranger's cell phone. How much does a payphone cost? Fifty cents. I don't think payphones exist. Uh, We gotta go on. a gotta go on But anyway, uh, here's what we got. Here's what we got. Okay.
5: Hey, this is John from Orangeburg, South Carolina. It's my first time calling in. Actually, the first time listening to the show. Um, I just listened to the episode from December thirteenth. I think it's great. I think you guys are great. I'm gonna be listening from here on out because I've been needing to listen to local news more. Get pull myself away from the national headlines, definitely. Um, and well, still, still following them. Still, you know, I'm still a news junkie, but only on more so of a national.
4: And here he cut out, so I'm just gonna go right
3: here. Beep, 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 beep.
5: That you have that hadn't been vaccinated, please. Do it, do it for your country, for the red, white, and blue. Do it for your friends and family. And, uh, and for you, obviously. And also, my wife and I are looking forward to starting season two of The Witcher, which should be coming out, I think, tonight, which is December the 17th. Don't quote me on that, though. But we love the first season, like the games. We're going to dive headfirst into that. Hope you guys stay cool.
0: John from Orangeburg, first time listener and first time caller, Mister One for One.
5: <laughs> He's batting a thousand. That's here. awesome. I we
0: love that. Love that. Uh, yes, I love what you're saying about local news too. Definitely welcome. You know, that's what we really want here is folks to realize that yes, national news is important, but statewide and local news is where it's at, and we're here to help bring it to you with help from SC Public Radio reporters as well as our newspaper colleagues. That is what we're here for, bringing you that news
4: you can use. I like that he's he's watching The Witcher too. Yes, I watched the first season and it was okay. A real lack of witching, if you ask me. Yeah. The second season I watched it; it's it's much better. So, John, you have to you have to call in. You let me know your review on that. I mean, yeah. Cahill, Henry Cahill or Cavill or, or whatever Cavill. Is, Cavill. Yeah, he's a he's a beefcake in this. Yes, he's he's a certified honk.
0: Well, that's pretty much the only reason I think my mother watches it, because when I was home, that's when the new episodes drop, and yeah. she'd go and watch a couple episodes because I was reading. I was really trying to reach uh, come a, a reading sweaty. goal. No, she'd come out and say, oh, "That just, I don't, I have no idea what's going on." And she watched like <laughs> the first season, like so she was really looking forward to the second one. She's like, "I don't know, I don't know what's going on here." <laughs> it's a little confusing,
4: yeah. uh, but uh, it, you, you're watching for the beefcake and the in the sci-fi action. Yeah, and you in know. The, Scary eyes, but I was again, like I said, I was eyes.
0: trying to like reach my reading goal yes. for this year, yes. Uh, which <laughs> you know, last January, I'm like, I'm gonna read 60 books, you know, fresh off of a quarantine year when I got bit by the bug. This year, uh, we made it to 20, <laughs> Yep, which, um, was Better how many most. I read the year before, so I, like, I wanted most. to do 21, but I didn't get all the way. But I tell you what. You know, when you have downtime and you got access to your local library and you get the ebooks on your Kindle, this ooh, guy baby. loves his library. <laughs> I love love the Richland library. They do a great job. So. so,
4: what what are you setting a new number for this year, then? Gavin? Uh, I'm
0: doing 30. Uh, it's a more attainable number. That, that seems more realistic. <laughs> and I already
4: have like four books that I was trying to read before
0: the end of the year. Some are mm-hmm. you know working all those. So how was, I, how was how was your Christmas anyway? It was good. Yeah, it was good. It was nice. You know, it was it was warm. Right. <laughs> it's like not you Nightmare, know now maybe. all this snow is down here, but. Uh, When I was up home, it was back at home, it was like 65. It rained the night before Christmas. So, if it was like, you know, actually cold and appropriate for
4: December, it would have been a white Christmas. But, like I said, it was like in the 50s and 60s. It was disgusting when I was in Jersey. It, uh, the the general temperature and weather was like 33 and rainy. Uh It was awful, it was truly bad. I had some good weather, yeah, cuz I went I'm from jealous. Maryland for a week and then I went down to uh, Charleston and they had, we just had great weather down there as yeah. well. I I missed a like a, it was like 77 and sunny every day in South Carolina, yeah. but not not where I was. <laughs> anyway, I get I get down to Charleston after my 10 and a half hour journey
0: down 95. <laughs> not even a single accident. It was just the volume, especially yeah. like you're saying in Northern Virginia, Fredericksburg where my aunt my cousins live. Ugh. I don't know how they do that. But even in North Carolina, it just they did the bump up when you slam on your brakes and you just sit. Yeah. Not even a car. No accident. Just all that volume. It's so bad. Day after Christmas. I can't stand it. So I get down to see my parents in North, in Charleston, James Island, and we're hanging out. My dad's like, yeah, I'm getting over a cold. No big deal. I think uh. I'm fine. <laughs> sure enough, he tests positive. You know, mm-hmm. you know, he was fine. He was doing fine even days after. You know, again, just felt like a bad cold, which it sounds like a lot of people are he going through He was boosted, right? He was boosted, but yes. he got his booster, I think, September. Colleen, my stepmother, got it in October. Yeah. I had gotten mine two weeks before all this, so I was I'm juicing. You're as powerful. I'm like ready for Omicron. I'm like I try me, baby. But don't. Uh, But please, I'm I'm safe. (laughs) When I I said I'd like to get shot, but don't shoot me. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) This This is not this is not a lightning situation. Yeah, this is not a lightning round. But uh, he's doing fine and i tested negative so i'm not too worried about it i haven't seen any symptoms so but you seem then,
4: you seem hale and hearty to me
0: oh really excited to be back as so you can tell so strong but then I, I hear from my mother she's feeling crappy so i'm pretty sure she got it because she didn't get around to getting boosted mm. cuz she just never found the time these retirees with the, these lifestyles they drive me mad sometimes but so she missed out on that and then like my sister-in-law and two of
4: my nephews <laughs> tested Yeesh. positive
0: so i've been like ping-ponging around here and avoiding all this not me
4: safe Jersey safety. in Jersey the 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 instant the home tests were like a currency up there <laughs> they'd throw it to you when you could walk to the door and they make you test and and if, if you if you passed you got to enter the door wow it was kind of crazy yeah. but uh there is one thing i wanted to tell you when i was in jersey that i yes. thought was hilarious but I was also scientific mm. here, okay interesting so that was a great segue i just pulled right there was it <laughs> no uh, it was that's why i was like am i missing something <laughs> it was terrible uh <laughs> but uh so Science. Years ago, okay, 12 years ago, I got Caitlin to watch Heat, the movie Heat. Yes. Starring Robert De Niro. Val Kilmer. Val Kilmer, Al Pacino, right? And Caitlin could not hammer down who was who. And she started calling both Pacino and De Niro Robert De Cucina. (laughs) What did I just hear? (laughs) Robert De Cucina, okay? So that's the last time we watched Heat. And then while I was at home with Caitlin's parents, it came on TV the very beginning. Mm. And so we, I was like, hey, this is a great movie. Caitlin, you remember this? She's like, oh, I remember this. It's a joke that we have now, you know? Oh, yeah. And we're watching it. And Caitlin's mom had never seen this movie. And we're watching it. We're about three quarters of the way in, and Caitlyn's mom just goes, "I can't tell the difference between these guys." <laughs> well, to be fair, they were pretty much like in a in a good age that time, so they were very similar. No, aged. they don't look alike. No, oh, I mean I know the difference between Pacino and De Niro, yeah. but and I go, I go, Caitlin, it's genetic. <laughs> There's a gene, and you're both you we and your get mom. Crisper, dude, we, we got to get CRISPR. Anyway. <laughs> we got <laughs> CRISPR. here. we need CRISPR so you can tell the difference between these two guys. <laughs> she, I mean, I mean, she can't watch Godfathers. You know, <laughs> she can't watch it. Right over. She can't watch um, it. I'm gonna go ahead and say I'm more of a De Niro fan, big time. I mean, big time. love De Niro. He doesn't overact the way Pacino mm-hmm. does, but I do like Pacino. Mm-hmm. I just watched I just watched Serpico for the first time like three days ago, and uh. It was just it, it it suffers from '70s movie pacing. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? Oh yeah. Where it's just you're just like what what am I looking at? This is five minutes of him arranging his apartment, and like, then it ends really quick. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but he does a weird voice and overacts the whole time. So it was great. Um. Yeah. Before we get out, I, I did
0: watch Don't Look Up. You I know, haven't watched it yet. Okay. I really want okay. To. Check it out. That big ensemble cast on Netflix. Yeah. Watch it with mom. It was pretty funny. A little, a little different, but um, overall, a good time. Good, great cast. You can't be that. Cast. I mean, ensemble. You said it. You said <laughs> it. Charlize Streep as president. I mean.
4: Oh, how great! And Kate Blanchett as oh, the yeah, news person. Oh God. God. Like Galadriel. Aspirational. Galadriel. Galadriel. Okay, the fairest woman to ever live. <laughs> I, elf woman. Okay. I, let me speak. let me just say.
0: Uh, but yeah, give us a shout, folks. Let us know how your your time off went. We're back. We're not leaving you anytime soon. I don't think. Uh, even though three months is a long time without a vacation <laughs> gosh five months this is when I go like till May alright well we're here for you let us know what you're up to by uh, leaving us a voicemail like John from Orangeburg did at 803-563-7169 you can also leave us a wonderful review on iTunes and stay up to date with the latest news on SCETV.org and SouthCarolinaPublicRadio.org and don't forget to support your local newspapers that's where the local news is at folks For the South Carolina lead, I'm Gavin Jackson. Be well, South Carolina.
5: Uh, Yeah, it's 2022, Mom.